All right, I'm Alex Garrett, and as I mentioned yesterday, it was a about to be a crazy House race. We'll get to that another day, but I know that uh, there's no Speaker of the House right now. But you know what? And Lou Terminello will love this one. I'm the Spreaker of the House because my podcast is on Spreaker. So just call me Spreaker Garrett. How about that? Spreaker Garrett. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, sir. It is kind of wild what's happening in Washington. We have no... Uh, House Speaker, but we do have some sports to talk about. Um, firstly, Damar uh, Hamlin. I mean, this kid looks. First of all, he looks so well loved by his player, by his teammates, judging by their reaction. And we didn't really know about him until last night, right? Absolutely. I mean, he uh, uh, Mika Hyde was the starter and had longtime NFL player uh, for the Bills. Uh, got hurt in the third game and. Uh, uh, Hamlin came in, a six-round draft pick out of Pittsburgh, and he's done a great job. I think he's he's one of the top leading tacklers since uh, he's been starting. And uh, unfortunately, really on an innocuous play, just uh, trying to tackle uh, T. Higgins, I guess everything it was the perfect storm for uh, the kid to uh, uh, suffer cardiac arrest and um you know god bless him hopefully he uh has been listed in serious but stable condition and which he's far from out of the woods but uh, uh the nfl and the buffalo bills medical staff did a great job i mean i didn't realize the buffalo bills had 29 medical people on the sideline for their games as most nfl teams have that many i didn't realize it was it was that many and they all went to um, action quickly, and those those seconds helped uh, keep um, Hamlin alive, and uh, uh, just got to pray for the best. I mean, it's a shame what happened, and you saw the brotherhood of the NFL uh, as soon as it happened. Players really were really affected by it on both teams, and well, it's amazing how sports brings everyone together. It really is. We have some unbelievable updates. Jim Kelly's wife has organized a vigil for Hamlin. You've all and Jim Kelly, of course, the Buffalo legendary quarterback. Um, you've also got fans of both teams outside of the UC Medical Center last night. I think that's the most touching thing of all is that they lick candles outside UC Medical. I mean, when do you ever see that from grown ass football uh, fans? You know? No, it's 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 true, and uh, I have to really commend everything I saw last night after the tragedy happened. Uh, the fans were silent when they, when they did cancel the game. There was no booze saying, why, why are we not playing? Because I, I, I'm not sure how many people in the stands, if they all knew exactly what was going on. Obviously, I knew it was a serious situation. But, you know, you always have some fans who are uh, a little rude to be, uh, to be kind, but th- those fans were great. Uh, and uh, I thought the broadcasters, and I know uh, I think you might you will agree with me. I think they all did a spectacular job. They went from uh, news, they went from sportscaster to newscasters. They were breaking a news story of incredible importance that was going on right in front of them. Uh, Joe Buck, Aikman, Susie Culver back in the studio with Adam Schechter and Booker McFarland. They all hit the right notes. Alisa Salter was down on the field 
She's a veteran. She's a pro from NBA and from and from college and pro football. She was she was tremendous. That um, I really can't say anything. And Ryan Clark, who was on with with Scott Van Pelt, Scott Van Pelt, the best of all the Sports Center anchormen. It's the best show, um, in my opinion. And uh, they did a great job. I mean, it was it was unprecedented. You know, in the history of the NFL, which is over 120 years old, only one player's died on the field, and that player died coming back to the huddle. He wasn't even hit. Uh, Chuck Hughes of the Detroit Lions back in 1971 caught his only pass of the year a couple of plays earlier and um, just collapsed, and he uh, he actually had a a, a valve blockage which caused him to suffer a heart attack and they had no defibrillators they had no ambulances on the field at the stadium in those days back in 1971 but the nfl did a uh, did did uh handle it very very expertly in my opinion last night yeah i don't i don't want to get down on them for the whole delay but i've got to ask you this do you think fans will still be a-holes the next week? I mean, I, I just think that this is a wake-up call to be nicer to the players, your opponents, even the irregular guys. Don't throw crap on the field anymore. Come on now. Well, um, the one thing that all these fans and broadcasters, and a lot of these guys are gas bags, these talk show hosts, they yell and scream just for the sake of hearing themselves talk. Yes, this guy stinks. This guy's terrible. Blah 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 blah. They're human beings, and we gotta remember, they're human beings both they, who suffer both physical and mental distress playing a game that's highly competitive. That's on national TV just about every week. I mean, all these games. Seventy-five percent of the NFL schedule is is seen in over sixty uh, percent of the country. If you look at the coverage map every week. It, it's it's remarkable. I, so I wish the fans would be a little bit more passive and a little bit more understanding on what these guys go through. Uh, we do not know. Um, look at look at last week with Tua Tungwaiavola against the Packers. He threw those three interceptions. Um, he was already concussed. He didn't even remember the play he called on that second interception. He wasn't right. But, you know... What do we hear later on? Is Tua right for the Dolphins? But then we, they didn't know that he had another concussion. I mean, so there's so much that goes into it. And, um, yeah, we need a nicer and gentler NFL fandom and a nicer and gentler um, talk show host and uh, these shoulder programs on ESPN and Fox Sports 1. Um, yeah, they're so easy to criticize. It's Overreaction, overreaction uh, is the, is the way to go for these guys. But I thought the NFL did everything right. I mean, everybody was saying, "Why wasn't the game canceled in ten minutes?" There's logistics. They had to get uh, Damon ha- Hamlin's mother down from the stands. Uh, they had to call the commissioner. They had to call the the players' association. Uh, that game wasn't going to re- wasn't going to resume. They just had to get all their ducks in a row. Get the kid to the hospital. Uh, talk to the coaches. Talk to the commissioner. They just they just had to they just had to uh, just just get everything everything said. They did a fine job. I really have no no issue with what the NFL did. But now my question is, they're not going to remake up this game. It looks like. But where does the NFL go from here? You might have thought, and people might have thought, the idea of delaying Week 18 
is outlandish. But can the fan base, can the Bills, can any of us really recover in six days? Well, the NFL, this, this is a tough situation for the NFL. The three best teams in, in the NFL, in my opinion, and I think it's pretty clear cut, uh, are the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals. This game last night was going to help seed those top three teams. If this game isn't played somewhere down the road, uh, what does the NFL do? Who gets the bye? Buy is important. You play one less game. One less, one less game where your players uh, don't have to take the wear and tear um, on their body. So, uh, you know, so, so we'll see. I don't know how the NFL is going to handle it. I was talking to one of my friends who works for an NFL team about an hour ago, and he was saying that uh, there was talk, which, I, you know, has been a lot of people have mentioned it, and I guess it was real talk that they might just push um, – the wild card weekend, not week 18. Week 18 is going to go on as scheduled. Uh, move the wild card weekend back a week and play the Buffalo Cincinnati game uh, that day. Um, I don't know if, I'm sure the NFL has a bunch of combinations that they're trying to uh, figure out what's the best thing to do. Uh, but it puts, it puts them in a tough, tough spot because, first of all, the most important thing is the kids' health. But then after that, we have to get to the reality of continuing to play the season and you're talking about how a seeding could affect multi-million dollar companies that's what these nfl teams are but how does the nfl i guess the other question i have is schedule aside and fantasy points aside which i think can take a back seat to all this i don't care about your fantasy team right now Um, (laughs) you got that right but i gotta ask you this how does the nfl still say hey your kid should still play this game when he grows up. I feel like now the push is going to be even more against the game. Well, like I said a couple of minutes ago, there's been one on-field death in the NFL. Yes, there's been a lot of injuries with concussions, the CTE situation, um, depression because of concussions. And the NFL has done a great job of trying to um, – navigate the game on the field and sometimes as fans we get upset oh they're calling a penalty uh, for roughing uh let that you know put dresses on them or you can't have it both ways um you, you can't have it you can't have it both ways um i, I think the nfl is just going to continue to try to improve the technology as far as uh uniforms go Helmets go, chest protectors go, but the players don't want don't want to wear more uh, equipment. They want to wear less. These are fast athletes. They don't want to be slowed down. So it's it's a tough situation uh, uh, for the league. But the NFL is a multi million dollar corporation. They're going to continue. Of course they are. I think this changes the physical, though. I'm just thinking of this because we're seeing in the MLB some concern with Carlos Correa's physical. But I'm just thinking, well, after last night, every physical matters. I mean, you've got to evaluate these players a little more, maybe. Well, I'm sure that all these NFL players, who uh, when they are checked out by uh, their respective team's medical team, go through a battery of tests, sophisticated tests. But unfortunately, so much is undetected. I mean, 
Uh, look at Grant Wall, the uh, soccer rider. He had an undetected, and I don't know if he went to the to the doctor on a regular basis, but his aneurysm, his aneurysm was undetected. Uh, sometimes things don't get picked up, but it, it is a, it is a it's a violent sport. It's a collision sport, and uh, um, I don't know what more they can do. I, I really don't. Uh, I t- I'm going to be honest with you, Alex. In in sports, I'm surprised there hasn't been more incidents like last night. Look at the NBA or even college basketball. These players run and jump with amazing athletic ability. Uh, how many times do we see a player fall on his head, break his neck? Never. You really never see it. Uh, the NHL. Uh, pucks flying all over, sticks flying all over, skates all over. Um, there's been one on ice death in the history of the uh, of the NHL. Um, it's uh, I just think you just got to keep on going and obviously try to police the game the best you can uh, and just just hope for the best. But there is a risk. There's no doubt about it. But like Ryan Clark said on SportsCenter last night. He said, I knew the risk when I was playing, and uh, he said, I want to play, and I took, I, I, I took uh, the chance. So then he has a wife and three kids. Well, very, very it's, true, it's, and, it's, and we'll have to see. no answer to this situation. We'll have to see what happens next. Absolutely not, and... I, I don't even feel like recapping the weekend. I mean, there's no use. It, right. it feels like... Mm-hmm. It feels like there's no use in talking about the Giants making the playoffs at this point because that's a moot point right now. Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, uh, actually, you're right. Today on on these shows, they weren't talking about uh, what the NFL is going to look like this weekend. And after this weekend, they were talking mostly about uh, the health of uh, DeMar Hamlin. And uh, that's the way it should be. But uh, the NFL, I think, I heard that uh, there was no press briefings for any NFL team today. So no NFL team, no coach, talk to the press. That's that. That's what I heard. But uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, really a shame as we go into this week 18 uh, with yeah. You had seating on the line. You had uh, Green Bay making this amazing comeback from four and eight to if they win. On Sunday night at Lambeau, they're in. Who would have thought that? Uh, I think you have a situation where there's a lot of question marks going in. How hurt is Jalen Hurts? How badly hurt is it? Is injured is his shoulder? Is it is it a shoulder tear, a shoulder bruise? Does he have a, a cracked clavicle? I mean, they couldn't move the ball at all against New Orleans on Sunday, uh, and uh, that. That's that's troubling if he's hurt. Uh, we will talk about how great, including myself, the 49ers are their defense. Well, their defense gave up 500 yards on the nose to the Raiders, led by Jared Stidham on Sunday. And luck, they were lucky to beat the Raiders in overtime. So who's going to win? It's wide open. No, um, you have faith in the Cowboys, who gave up 34 points to... Uh, to the Eagles and Gardner Minshew the week before. And Gardner Minshew, with the exception of one 76-yard touchdown pass, did nothing against the Saints on Sunday. So, I mean, I know it's tough to talk about 
about a football when you have a tragedy like this, but they're going to they are going to play the game Sunday. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's it. Uh, you know, the Giants uh, ironically don't aren't playing for anything this week. And it's going to be interesting to see if they rest anybody. Well, to play for 10 wins is kind of a big deal. They haven't had 10 wins in a while. Yeah, they, that that's good. But you don't want to see Daniel Jones get hurt. And Daniel Jones has done a nice job for the Giants. And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, the Giants can win that first-round game. They can. I, I think so, too. It looks more like it after after um, after um Sunday. I've got, to, I've got to tell you a little bit of my story of how this happened. I actually did not see the play live. You know why? I was celebrating the fact that Rutgers, for a second straight year, upset number one Purdue. And I know that may be a little off-brand for NFL season, but that game was riveting. I don't know if you caught any of that. I, I, unfortunately, I did not, and I wanted to, and uh, I, I, I did not. But that game was riveting. They're a well-coached team. Um, that kid Spence hit a tremendous shot to win the game uh, for them. Going into an undefeated undefeated Purdue on the road, uh, number one. Uh, Purdue knew that uh, Rutgers had beat them at Piscataway last year when they were number one. So it's not like they caught Rutgers caught uh, Purdue napping. Purdue was ready uh, to, uh, you know, to, to beat them, and they couldn't. That, that's, uh, that, 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 that's an amazing achievement, and uh, they have uh, done a very nice job. I mean, Steve Pakella here is coach. the man behind all these big wins they've recently had. Um, excuse me? Steve Pakella is the engineer, basically, behind all these big oh, wins, absolutely. isn't he? He's a good coach. He really is. Uh, uh, he, they're tough. They're not afraid. Um, they've won big games during his regime there, home and road, uh, conference championship games. Uh, he's a good coach. He really is. And Purdue, the Purdue, Purdue had to be stunned last night. I mean, that was stunning. That was a stunning upset. Um, and, uh, you know, they held, they held them to 39% uh, field goal shooting. Rutgers plays tough D. The number one in country, team in the country shot 39%. And uh, Rutgers held their own on the boards with them. Um, they, they were good from three. Uh, you know, I, I, I really – when you play Rutgers – you get you better be ready to to get down and dirty because they're tough. And on the hardwood, staying there on the hardwood over in Newark, you know the Johnny the Johnnies played Seton Hall. Seton Hall has been struggling, but a huge blowout of the Red Storm. You were there. Yeah, and um, I was very very disappointed the way St. John's played. Uh, the first 13 minutes, neither team's offense was really great. Seton Hall's was worse. But Seton Hall played tough defense right throughout. But once Seton Hall got the lead and, and it started to expand that lead, um, St. John's had no answer. And this is Anderson's fourth year there. And, I mean, there's going to be some questions being asked towards where this program is going. I mean, Seton Hall was struggling, and Seton Hall really just totally dominated them in the second half. They were up. They the final score was a 20, 22 point victory, but they were up by as many as twenty five. 
If I hear a soft spot for St. John still, Lou, do I hear a soft spot for St. John still? There's always a a soft spot for for all the local teams, but uh, uh, St. John's has... they have some. This is a very, very interesting Big East conference season for them. I don't know. I don't know uh, what at the administration thinks, but the team's not getting any better. They're not. After their eight and zero start, by the way. Right. Well, let me ask you which this, always, mm-hmm. which always can be misleading because they, they played a bunch of cupcakes for the most part. That's true, but I mean, it was kind of a record run there for a little bit. But you know. Uh-huh. We'll have to see. Both teams still struggling in the Big East, and that's something to definitely follow. Um, but I've, we got to go back to the Big Ten because two big schools are not going to be in the title game, as many had thought. Right, Lou? We thought it might be Michigan and Ohio State or Michigan and Georgia, not TCU and Georgia. Well, um, TCU came ready to play. They were physical from the get-go. The first time... Michigan got the ball. They got down to the two-yard line, and they weren't able to get in. They went for it, and they on fourth down, they lost six yards. Uh, TCU took it to them most of the game. They had a chance. Uh, they went. Michigan did. They did go ahead, but they came right back. TCU is good. Their quarterback is tough as nails. They have good team speed. Um, their linebackers are good. They, I mean, and that's that's what got them to uh, SoFi Stadium for the championship game on Monday night. Uh, Georgia, it looked like Georgia was going to lose to Ohio State. I really did. It looked like they were going to lose. And, um, uh, you know, Stenson Bennett wouldn't let them lose. And uh, then the kid on Ohio State missed the 50-yard field goal, Ruggles. Uh, and, again, people are, you know, killing the kid. It's a 50-yard field goal. Um, it's we were just out of control thinking uh, 50 yard field goals, like a 30 yard field goal. Georgia obviously dodged the bullet. Um, I think, I mean, TCU better be ready. Georgia's the best team in the country. Um, can TCU upset them? They can, they can, cause they can score. And if Georgia fumbles and, or throws an interception, which they usually don't turn the ball over, um, you don't want to give TCU a short field. But I expect Georgia to, to win on uh, Monday night. But I'm looking forward to the game. And I, this is the, this and, is what your big take of the week was going to be. We'll get to the uh, the big take of the week uh, right now because I know you want to complain or vent, give your take if you will about the number of bowl games. I asked you, hey Lou, do these games have meaning? And you're like, well, let's talk about this on the on the podcast. So. Do all these bowl games have any meaning? I mean, I mean, are all these games going to lead to something for these schools? No. This is what it is. I mean, there are 42 bowl games. <clears throat> About 20 years ago, there was, there was 14 or 15. ESPN owns 16 of the bowl games. They need these games to, to fill out their programming schedule. But we have teams that are 6-6. Six and six. We have teams that are 5-7. and seven. Um, that are getting bowl games. They're meaningless. Some of them are unwatchable. There really should be, besides the two, uh, the, uh, the two semifinal games, the championship game, um, the, the Rose Bowl, the rest of them really meaningless. The Cotton Bowl, you know, the big six, yeah. 
But some of these guys don't even want to play because they're trying to protect their – they don't want to get injured and protect their NFL status. And you want to know something? I don't blame them. But there's just too many bowl games. I mean, I really don't care if some team from the, the third-place team from the Sun Belt Conference is playing the second team from the Mid-American Conference. I don't. Most fans don't. But the college football playoffs, the ESPN got 22, 22 million to watch that. That's a great number, and it peaked at 27 million. The two games were exciting. It was the best semifinal uh, day since they went to this in 2014. Um, but you got you have to give them good competition. I mean, you can't fool the fans. And really, these extra games, all these these bowl games for these teams that are six and six or seven and five. Just another regular season game added onto that that schedule, and maybe play some guys. But that's it. Just there's just way too many. It is, and you know, at least some of them, like the Kansas Jayhawks game, which was historic for a reason because they hadn't been in it for a while. And you know, I have a story about that. My dad and I were trying to leave Kansas's football stadium years ago in the pouring rain, Lou. And all we did was spin around the stadium in circles. My dad couldn't find his way out of the exit. So I have a bit of a soft spot for Kansas because it was hard to get out of their parking lot. And uh, core memory was created that rainy day in, uh, where is that, Manhattan, Kansas? Uh, That is in Lawrence, Kansas. Lawrence, sorry about that. Manhattan, Kansas is Kansas State. Lawrence, yes, I should know that. Um. Obviously, Kansas is known as a basketball school, and they're all, they are the reigning national champions uh, in basketball. But Kansas got off to that big start, that 5-0 and start, and then uh, lost six out of their last seven. Or, you know, lost seven out of their last eight to finish six and seven. Um, so, but their, their program, football-wise, actually uh, took a positive step this year. Meanwhile, Syracuse had the same storyline. They were... Up like five and zero, oh, and then they lost the rest of the way here. Yeah, that that was not that wasn't good. Um, that that was disappointing. Yeah, so uh, I think Babers is safe, but uh, I think next year a five and zero oh start that disintegrates into a six and six season, they might be looking for somebody else. That's for sure. I mean, it's 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 quite wild. So you're not you're not a fan of 42 bowls. Are you a fan of this expansion? I mean, it's going to happen though. Well, I am a fan of expansion. I'm just not sure I'm a fan of expansion to 12 teams. I think eight would have been perfect, but we'll have to see. We're going to have to see it through um, to see how it affects the regular season. Do they do away with these conference championship games? They're money makers. They're money makers for the uh, the TV networks. But how is that going to affect um, teams getting into the playoff? Um, I'm for expanded playoffs. I just don't know. I don't, I don't know if 12 is is uh, the right number. But we'll see. We'll see. It's, it, I can tell you one thing. This is more interesting than you know watching, like I said, uh, the fourth place team in the Big Ten uh, play uh, the third place team in the uh, uh, Big 12. It doesn't matter. My biggest upset was that the Rose Bowl really got overshadowed by the weekend because the Rose Bowl is historic, and I know they have the tradition of New Year's Day, but didn't it feel overshadowed this year, or is it just me? No, I, I, I think with the uh, semifinal games being played first, then we had NFL Sunday, 
uh, and then it was played on the federal holiday the second. I agree with you. I think it was uh, kind of overshadowed. Uh, you know, it, it was Pac-10 versus Big Ten, which was always the uh, the fun bowl uh, because of those two conferences. And for years, the Pac-10 never lost to the Big Ten. I mean, I think it was like 10, 12 years. Um, but that was always which that fueled a great rivalry uh, between the two conferences. But, uh, uh, yeah, I agree. Coming after all those games, they probably should have played it before the semifinals. The semifinals is like a standalone. Um, <clears throat> so, we, we, you know, we, uh, we'll see what happens in 24 uh, when they have the 12-team uh, the playoff. Four of them are going to be uh, on the, uh, the home field of the higher-seeded team. So there will be four buys than four on the high, home field of the higher seed team. It'll be interesting, and I think they'll. I think they'll bring in a second network. It won't only. It won't just be ESPN. I think it could be a Fox or a, uh, an NBC. They'll, they'll split it because they can get, make make more money that way. Right, and remember, the SEC is now leaving CBS. Uh, actually, this is the first year or next year. Uh, next year is this last year of the SEC on CBS. There will be some Big Ten games on CBS next year because their their schedule will kick in. But then the next year after that, in twenty four, uh, the uh, CBS will have the three thirty game will be uh, a big a Big Ten game. Fox has a twelve o'clock game. Big Ten. CBS has a three thirty Big Ten game, and NBC will have the prime time Big Ten game. They're making a lot of money at Big Ten. <laughs> oh, absolutely, they are, and uh, you know it's why this year was sort of shocking the way they've been ousted here. All right, we got to cover a couple other things because obviously, yesterday was also the National Hockey League's Winter Classic, and you know not so much yesterday's game. I didn't catch all of it or really any of it, but I, I am curious to see how next year goes when they move it to Seattle. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw that announced yesterday. Uh, the Kraken are going to be playing the Golden Knights. Uh, uh, Seattle's been great for them. They've, I, I believe they've sold out every game in the two years that they've been in the league. Uh, the team, which you know uh, finished with the worst or next to worst record in the league last year, and uh, they only had 60 points, this year is playing very, very well, and they're contending for a playoff spot. The fans are into the game. Uh, I was watching them play the Islanders the other night, and uh, uh, the fans are, like I said, they're behind their Seattle Kraken, and they're a good team. They're, they're, they're a good team, a good mix of complementary players, of some good vets, and uh, they have a chance to uh, to make the playoffs. The Islanders, on the other hand, I still don't like their roster. They need some addition to their roster. I know they're only two points out of a playoff spot, so they'll be, they'll be in a hunt all the way, but... Their power play is terrible right now. Uh, they are banged up. They're playing without some guys. But they need an injection of goal-scoring magic that that they don't have. So, I mean, we'll I was going to get back out on the ice for them because I know he's back as a mascot. He should play a little bit. They, they do have the fisherman <laughs> moniker now, after all, once again. Yeah, they have them. The, the old fishery uh, uniform for six games. And uh, they... They kind of modified it, changed some of the colors, the striping on that uh, fisherman uh, uniform, which was universally hated back in 1997. But now 
as uh, these pro leagues will do anything just to sell apparel. Uh, they brought them back for, for five games. You know, I, I heard FTX was sponsored, uh, sponsoring a lot of these different teams. Shows uh, great judgment, right? Yep, that's for sure. All right. That's for sure. On the on the pro uh, hardwood here, you've got the Nets. What, how many game streak, uh, winning streak are they now, Lou? They're up to 12, and they're playing very, very well. Um, I mean, I, I mean, to me, if I, if I had an MVP vote, Durant is winning the MVP. I mean, obviously, it's only 37 games in, but the guy has been magnificent. Kyrie has been spectacular. Uh, their their complementary players have have done a great job, and they've and different nights against different teams, they use different complementary players. T.J. Warren, who who Sean Marks picked up basically off the scrap heap, and was like the via the via MVP of the bubble two years ago, uh, has done a great job for them. Uh, Nick Claxton is improved 100% from last year. Uh, offensively, he's a great shot blocker. His interior defense has, has helped the Nets. The Net, but the Nets, I think, need one more bruiser if they want to go far in the playoffs. Um, they have a good team, obviously. They're 25 and 12. Yeah, and the Knicks, on the other hand, are frustrating me because they're scoring 100-plus points a game and sometimes not winning those games. It's like a gun, a, a, a shootout, a, a, you know, whatever you want to call it, gunslinging event whenever they're playing these days. Uh, well, to think the Knicks have been consistently inconsistent. Eight in a row wins, five in a row losses. Now they won their last two games. They should win tomorrow night at home against the putrid San Antonio Spur team. They already lost to the Spurs last week in Texas, but they got to win that game tomorrow night. Um, I'm going to stick with my prediction. The Knicks are going to win between 38 and 44 games uh, this year. Brunson has made a big difference. He has, but um, they just got to get a little bit more consistent. And any surprises in the NBA? We barely covered the sport, so any surprises so far? Besides the Warriors seemingly up and down as well. Yeah, no, I'm surprised. Uh, obviously, Curry's been out. But I'm, gonna, I'm going back to the Nets. I never, th- I, th- I never thought the Nets would be 25 and 12, especially when you go back two months. The Kyrie suspension, um, the coaching change, the uh, Durant not wanting to be here, and, then say, and now, we, now he's here and he's, and he's all in. The guy just wants to play basketball. I would, I mean, I would say they were a big surprise. I thought the Nets were on the road to oblivion, and uh, they most certainly are not. Uh, they have a good mix, and I think, John, as I've said before, Jock Vaughn, uh, I don't want to compare him to uh, Red Auerbach or Red Holzman, but uh, he has been a difference. He has got, he, he's got the guys focused. Stephen Nash didn't have him focused. No, and remember, he only it feels like an eternity that he got fired, but it was only this a couple of months ago. Right. They were, uh, they got, he got fired after seven games, and uh, they were 2-5, and five, and now they're, since then they're 23-5. and five. So they've been, on, they've been on quite a streak. Uh, long season ago, I think they need one more bruiser. Uh, Deron Sharp, who was in a one draft pick a couple of years ago, uh, has been shelling back and forth from the Long Island Nets to the Nets. He has, he has some potential, but uh, I would love to see them get somebody else. Maybe a guy like a Mason Plumley 
from Charlotte. I don't know what his contract status is, but Charlotte's going nowhere. Plumlee, who ironically was drafted by the Nets way back when, uh, six, seven years ago, um, would be that type of guy. He's an athletic guy who, who, who would be able to help them, uh, you know, on the boards. But uh, they're my surprise. I, I thought it was going to be – I actually thought that they – it might be a year where uh, the Knicks win more games than them. And I don't think that's going to happen unless, God forbid, there's a major injury to Durant or Irving. And that's amazing. They've both been healthy, knock on wood, uh, and that's rare for both of them to be healthy at the same time. Yep. No, it is. It is. And uh, any other surprises in the NBA? I mean, Utah got off to a good start. Everybody thought that they were going to win 20 games, and they, uh, uh, they're they already at 19-20 wins. Um, but uh, I guess the Lakers are surprised in, in the negative side. Uh, I know Anthony Davis has been injured, but you would think that they wouldn't be under 500. Uh, maybe the Hawks. The Hawks were they 17 and 21, and just think a couple of years ago they were the next big team in the East. And uh, Trey Young not getting along with his coach didn't show up for a game. How immature is that? Uh, you know, so I would say that that they're disappointing, but there's a long way to go. A long way to go. Absolutely. I know it's it's sort of a, a a down take because of what happened last night. I mean, it is it puts everything in focus. And as I told it you does. yesterday, I mean, you know, if we're not if we're not crossing the street looking both ways after last night, we haven't learned, meaning we we haven't learned then that life changes on a dime. Isn't that what last night taught us also? A hundred percent. Enjoy every second, enjoy every minute, enjoy every day. And uh, you gotta be, you got you gotta be uh, grateful for each and every day. You gotta be, and you gotta look both ways, man. You have to look both ways when you cross the street. Absolutely, and uh, it, it changes in it changes in a finger snap. Here's this kid's mother was at the game last night, and uh, to see her her son her son play, and to see her son. Uh, tried to play for one of the best teams in the league and try to win the Super Bowl. And r- right now, the, the, the kids, and I assume he's uh, still in a medically induced coma. And uh, just got to keep on praying for him. And uh, hopefully, he'll be all right. And uh, I'll just say this America, you're a great country. In two years, uh, he tried, he was looking to raised $2,500 worth of toys for a place where his mother works. And I, don't, I think he barely got 2500 in two years. Well, last night, after 9 o'clock, to 3 o'clock this morning, 3 million Americans, and I'm sure some, some foreigners, too, don't have to be Americans, donated to his GoFundMe page. It's now over $4 million. Now it's five. Uh, I, I can't, it's I up to five? Yeah. Okay. So Amazing. I, I think I think they should get rid of that stuff at the end zone that say erase hate and all that. We don't hate. We all this proves we love each other in this football game that we love. Right. What well, as you know, during times of crisis, Americans pull together and it could be different types of crises. Uh, we have and, some uh, breaking news for you if you if you have a second I want to play you yeah. what the uncle of DeMar Hamlin just told 
uh, one of the reporters, and they post on Twitter. Hang on one second. I'm going to get to that info. Sure. But this is DeMar Hamlin's uncle giving an update. Right now, they're just trying to get him to breathe better. Um, he's on a ventilator to help him with breathing. And um, they're trying to get his lungs back to, to full strength. Um, he was like on 100% um, being assisted by the ventilators yesterday. And um, he's improved, I believe, up to 50%. So that's definitely an upward trend, and we're thankful for that. Um, I really believe, like, you know, the power of prayers. And, like, I mean, it's it's been prayers from all around the world. I can't believe the outpour of just, just, just well wishes, prayers, and support from everybody, man. And it, 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 it just... It's so touching and heartfelt that it helps us to be able to deal with it because it shows us, like I was saying earlier, that we're not alone in dealing with this and, you know, wishing my nephew a speedy recovery. How good to hear that he's on 50%, not 100%, and his breathing's improving, Lou. Well, that's the best news that we heard all day. And, uh, um, again, uh, modern medicine's amazing. The human body's amazing how it how it uh, recovers itself and the kid's a world-class athlete. And so I'm sure that that helped him a little bit, uh, helped him a lot. And uh, it's good to hear the uncle uh, have some positive news um, for, uh, you know, for that situation. I mean, Posted that, by Thad Brown Seven on Twitter. And his name is Dorian Glenn. That is the uncle's name. So that's the latest Lou. I, I don't want to get there, but I have to ask you this before we wrap up. Is Carlos Correa going to be a Met after all is said and done? Speaking of uh, other health news, not not to that extent, but I've got to ask you this. Yeah, I, I it's weird that it's been seven or eight days. It's been 10 days, basically, since the Mets doctors uh, put up the red flag on his medical condition. I assume they're going to get it done. I know other teams have called somebody said that even the giants uh had checked back in with boris um but uh, yeah i would assume that the mets are going to get it done if it's gone this far i think they probably might have been just waiting for the holidays to end uh correa wants to be a met uh, and i think uh, i think i think they'll get it done i don't know what the concessions are going to be i have no idea i don't think that boris is going to knock it down from from uh, you know a twelve-year deal to a six-year deal, I I don't think it's going to be that, but um, you know we'll. Uh, uh, I just hope they do get it done because uh, if he doesn't come, <laughs> uh, the Mets uh, and they still have a good team. They have Escobar at third, and they have Brett Beatty, who uh, hopefully will uh, use his experience from last year to catapult to even a better season this year. But uh, you know I, I, they want Carlos Correa. Uh, that that like you said, this is the, this is the final piece that we needed. Right-handed stick, you can play third. And uh, the Mets can't make a trade. People say, well, maybe they'll trade Escobar and they'll trade this person. And to, you know, the Mets can't make a trade until they until they have the Correa situation uh, uh, down down pat. You know, they're saying trade Escobar and maybe include Carlos Carrasco in a deal. Um, can't happen until they know what the, the Correa situation is all about. And then, one other news of the day, Lou, to end it on a high note. Do you know what today is? It's the 50th anniversary of George Steinbrenner buying the Yankees for $10 million. I did know that. That was one of the greatest business decisions in sports history because he took 
that was at ten million dollars, and now the Yankees are worth five six billion. Six billion. I just looked it up. Six billion dollars. Right. I mean, you talk about making a profit, making a profit, and it's if you go back to that initial press conference, George Steinbrenner says he was not going to be involved with the everyday. Uh, the everyday operation of the team, but uh, obviously, as we know through history, that certainly wasn't wasn't uh, the case. And uh, um, I think you sh- anybody out there who wants to go back to that that time in Yankee history and uh, see what uh, how Mr. Steinbrenner got involved with the Yankees. He hired Gay Paul. There was always that uh, situation where the Yankees, two months before they signed Gabe Paul as a general manager, made a trade with Gabe Paul to get Greg Nettles. And <laughs> Greg Nettles, who was a key Yankee when he they won. He was a captain, which I didn't know until I looked it up. <clears throat> yeah, and a lot of people think that was there was some shenanigans there that Gabe Paul thought he was going to uh, – uh, be the Yankee general manager, even though he was still the Indians general manager. That's never been proven, but it, it, a lot of people say there was some shenanigans there. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, that has had legs throughout the years. But, uh, you know, Mr. Steinbrenner said he wasn't going to be involved with uh, the day-to-day operations of the team, training camp of next year, um, of 73. He uh didn't know the players. He took the numbers of the players. This number 17 needs a haircut. Number 42 needs a haircut. And the Yankee haircut, the Yankee facial hair and haircut lengths have been, uh, uh, are still in play today. And that was 1973. Ralph Houck was the manager that first year, longtime Yankee backup catcher and longtime Yankee manager. Um, and after one year in 73, couldn't work for. Steinbrenner uh, just didn't like his hands-on approach. And uh, then uh, he, uh, Ralph Houck went to manage the Tigers and then the uh, Red Sox. And uh, then the Yankees saw their parade of managers, Bill Verdon, Billy Martin, Bob Lemon, Billy Martin, Bob Lemon, you know, Gene Michael, Bucky Benz. I mean, we can go on and on. Uh, Yogi. And then Yogi in 85 got fired, and uh, it was his second tour of duty with the Yankees, and Yogi didn't talk to him for over a decade. And then Susan Waldman, Yankee broadcaster, uh, brokered a, a peace settlement uh, at the Yogi Berra uh, Museum in, in uh, Little Falls, New Jersey. So uh, a lot of good stuff. And then we got to talk about the Patterson Stadium opening up soon. That's going to happen this year. I cannot wait yes. for the Jackals to play there. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, uh, uh, my good friend, the late Larry Doby, played there, um, the first pl- black player in the American League. And uh, it's. I'm, I think they're going to have a, uh, I don't know if they're going to have a Larry Doby statue, but he will be recognized as they put the finishing touches on, on that stadium. Um, and it is a historic stadium. And uh, so it, it will be, it will be a, uh, It'll be good to see Hinchcliffe Stadium back in back in operation. Well, we'll get to that as the spring comes 
around. But for now, Lou, this has been a really uh, thought-provoking and fun and and really reflective kind of sh- uh, show tonight for Terminello's Take. Thanks, as always, for taking time out to talk with us on Alex Garrett Podcasting the Sports Spotlight. Always love being on Alex Garrett Podcasting. Love it. Thank you. You got it. And uh, maybe we'll get some uh, radio time. Who knows, right? We'll have to see. You, you never know. <laughs> All right. I'm Alex Garrett, and we'll talk to you soon. This has been the Sports Spotlight on Lou Terminello. Thank you.